This morning, the text that I chose was really chosen for our high school graduates, but as I chose the text and I read the whole context of the passage, I realized that it's a passage that's appropriate for all of us. It's Jeremiah 29.11, and it's some people's favorite Bible verse. So if you have your Bibles or if you have your cell phones that you'd like to go to either the version of the Bible app or to BibleGateway.com, I want you to first hear the verse, and then as we hear our message, we're going to look at it in context of all of Jeremiah 29. The prophet Jeremiah, 2,500 years ago, said these words, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, I know throughout our country when graduates are being celebrated in churches, this is probably the most typical verse that's chosen, and you see why, because it talks about the future that God has for us. But I don't want so much to talk about the future as the present, and I'd like to talk about in-between times. Did you know in-between times can be some of the most difficult places we're ever asked to live? Think about that. An in-between time we've all gone through in our life. Those are those moments when we just can't wait to get somewhere else or we're looking to the past and wishing how things had been in the past and thinking, well, they'll get better in the future. And we're sort of in a place that too often we think that we're stuck. I remember for both of our sons, that in-between time wasn't college. It was the months between graduating from high school and going to college. And we had discussions with both of them about what that meant and how they were experiencing that and feeling, feeling about that. And we all go through those times in our life. Now, many of us, when we were kids, remember being out, playing outside, and all of a sudden we'd be in a field that would have thistles. Does anybody remember those experiences of being in the middle of a briar patch where all of a sudden stuff started getting stuck to our stockings? The common thing that many of us did is we'd take, on, uh, take off running, just try to run through the thistles. The problem with running through them is we'd get to the other side, and what do you have? A whole bunch of things stuck to you. That far too often is how we deal with the in-between times in our life. Rather than understanding why God has us in the place that we are, whether this be just having graduated from high school, or any of us at those times in our life, maybe it's a time between jobs. I thought about this last night. We had prayers in our Saturday evening service for two expectant moms. You want an in-between time? The in-between time is that ninth month of pregnancy. Where people just can't wait till that baby's here and they're kind of thinking about how things had been before. The problem, again, with just running through at those times is afterwards we got a lot of stuff that we have to deal with because we weren't present in the moment. Now, the reason I chose this text, yes, it's a text that's common to use when we're celebrating something like young people graduating from high school, but it's also a really fascinating passage for all of us. You see, the nation of Israel had divided into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Think of it being like the United States when we're in the middle of the Civil War, when there was a north and a south, and they divided into two nations for a period of time. The problem is with Israel, when the northern kingdom became a king, and this was after, or kingdom after Solomon, eventually the Syrians came in and literally obliterated the northern kingdom. We call that the ten lost tribes of Israel. And now what was left was the southern kingdom, or Judah. However, 
Finally, after a number of years, Judah was taken captive by the Babylonians, and people were literally exported out of places like Jerusalem and sent, sent to Babylon. What that would be today would be like taking somebody from Jerusalem and taking them to Iraq. So think about that experience. You're a family that has lived your entire life somewhere, and somebody's come in and conquered you and taken you somewhere else. That lasted for 70 years. Talk about an in-between time in life. Waiting somewhere that's not your homeland, wanting to get back, wishing how things had been, and now how do you live in that period of time? For some people, they were in denial. This hasn't really happened to us. They're trying to figure it out, what in the world's going on. For others, they were angry, and they couldn't get beyond their anger. How could God let this happen? You know, it was because of what the king did. For others, they were only focused on getting back, and they were missing life that was happening right in front of them. And for others, they were just confused. Just think of all the experiences we would go through when we get in those moments when we're in between. We're not maybe where we know God's going to lead us to. Maybe we're thinking again about something that had been in the past. But to all of that, Jeremiah writes a letter. And that's what Jeremiah 29 is, the entire letter. So I'm going to take a moment as we look at our text, we're going to actually look at the whole letter and see all the things that Jeremiah says to these people because God wanted them to understand the truth. Because once we can have God's perspective, God's truth on our situation, we can see how to get through these times. Now let's be honest. We all have those in our lives, do we not? Every one of us. Graduation is not the last time that a young person is going to experience an in-between time in their life. We've all been through it. I've had times in my life when I'm, the way that our denomination works, I get sent to another church, and now the bishop has sent me to another church, but I'm still in my former church, and I have a few months to serve there, thinking about all the things that have happened in the past and looking forward to where I'm going to be going. And guess what, folks? That is a great in-between time for a Methodist pastor. How do we handle that in-between time between where we have been and things we've loved and where we're going to and knowing that God's presence is going to be there? How do we experience today? Another in-between time in our life was when my mom and dad were visiting us and my mom had a stroke and my dad was already in early dementia with Alzheimer's and now my dad was living in our house. My mom, they never released her to go back to North Dakota. She ended up in a nursing home in our town. And we knew that this was just an in-between time. But how were we going to live for those three years? We didn't know how long it was going to last. But we get into these times in our life when we realize this is not permanent, but how do I live in this moment? You know what the first thing that Jeremiah said to the people? Accept where we are. Hear that? Accept where we are. Where am I today? That's all that matters. That's all we have anyhow, folks. Why do we live one day at a time? Because we only have one day at a time. Yesterday's gone and tomorrow may never come. That's an old gospel hymn. We are today where we are today. Listen to what Jeremiah says in verse 4 through 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and daughters, give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf 
for in its welfare, then you will find your welfare. Wow. Accept where we are and make the best out of it. That's all Jeremiah is telling people. You're in exile in Babylon. You want to get back to Jerusalem? Build a house there. So like a college student. If you're moving into a dorm, move into the dorm. <laughs> accept your dorm. If you're going overseas and you're going to have a place to live, accept where you're going to live. It's where you are. It may not be your permanent dwelling place, but it becomes your dwelling place for that moment. But likewise, like I said with our boys, when you're still in mom and dad's home, accept that you're in mom and dad's home and love the where God has put you. Plant gardens. Now, I'm not a gardener. My wife is, but that really just means beautify the places that you are. Once you and I can accept where we are, we can do everything we can to make where we are the best it can be. Amen? Amen. If I'm in Georgia for three months, go buy a plant and make my apartment nice. I think of these women who, and men who are nurses who go to different places. We had one who attended here for a while. I didn't even know we had visiting these nurses who would go from place to place. And now we have a young person from our church who has that job. They don't live in one city. They go to different places. And they'll maybe be there for three months or they'll be there for six months. Make the most of where you are during that time, even though that may not be your permanent dwelling place. Even start a family. That got me thinking of my wife. My college was really an in-between time, and I found the most beautiful girl in the town of Fort Wayne, and certainly in our Bible college, and I married her in college. That's what we do. We accept where we are and what's there. Start a family. Do whatever it is. I think about this. We can be in an in-between time in our life, and we can make our best friend at that moment. I've seen women, including women in this church, who are having a baby, and they go to the classes that are offered at the hospital, and some of them make lifelong friends during those classes. It's an in-between time. You're not going to be at those classes forever. But they reach out and they say, hey, how can I get to know someone else? We have a friendship in this church that was born through a class that was done at the hospital. The, people, the two women and families ended up in our church. Now one of the families has moved away. I saw one of the other families recently, and they say they still stayed. Really, really good friends. That's called accepting where we are and understanding that God has us in every single place for a purpose. And then he also says, be a builder, not a destroyer. No matter what, when we're in an in-between place, it's incumbent on us, no matter what our feelings are, to do all we can to make the most, not only for where we are, but for the community that we're part of. I had a family one time that had an odd thing that happened to them, and they came to talk to me. They had a house that they were renting to somebody, and the person decided that the house was going to be going for sale, so they wanted to buy the home. But instead of consulting with the people who owned the house, they decided to start ripping things down. They started to rip down walls and rip down staircases and all sorts of stuff. And then what happened is they turned around and said to the people that they were renting from, the family from our church that at the time was the ones who were having the people rent from them, they were told, you need to pay us for all this work we did. They went in and looked at the house and realized severe damage had been done to the home. So they talked to me and we consulted a lawyer. I also talked to somebody who was a contractor in construction and I remember the words that were said to me. 
Anybody with a hammer can rip down a wall. Anybody with a hammer can do destruction. Do you hear what Jeremiah is saying? If you're in a home that you think you're going to buy that belongs to somebody else, don't rip down the walls. <laughs> don't rip down the staircase. If you're in a job or a situation that you don't like, don't do harm. Don't rip things down. Don't become a destroyer. Always be a builder. Amen? That's who we're called to be. That's what Jeremiah says. You may not like the Babylonian nation, but pray that the Babylonian nation does well, because if it does well, you'll do well. You might be in a college that you may not like, but you know what? Pray for the college that it does well, because if it does well, you'll do well. You see, here's the problem we create for ourselves. We too often stand with one foot in the past, one foot in the future, and we miss today. Far too many Christians live their lives that way. And Jeremiah is saying, accept where God has us at every moment in our life. Accept where we are today. I put it a different way. Let's make sure our head is where our feet are. Let's make sure we're living in the moment, accepting what God has given us in this day. What is the opportunities that we can do today to make our situation better, who we work for better? My wife was ending a job, and she knew it. In fact, she called me that morning. She said, I'm getting laid off today. And I said, really? Now, she didn't know what was going on. There was a bunch of other stuff that was going on in the company. And she said, but I have a tour I have to do. And I prayed with her. And she went into the tour. And do you know what she did? She was sales, and sales representative here in town. She did everything she could to get that family to move into the place where she was doing the sales for. Even though she knew in a few hours she was losing her job. Because that's what we're called to do, folks, as Christians. That's our Christian character of who we are asked to be. We are asked at every moment in our life to do what we can to make the situation best of where we are. That's not me saying it. That's Jeremiah speaking for the Lord. Seek the welfare of the city where you are today and pray to the Lord in its behalf. For in its welfare, in its benefit, you'll find benefit except where we are. The second thing that Jeremiah wants us to understand, guard our hearts and our minds. Guard them. Do you know there's sacred trust from God? Your, your mind is a gift from God. Your heart and the things that you love are a gift from God. Guard it like a treasure. It's important. It matters. Your thoughts and your feelings and my thoughts and feelings, they're real. But they need to be guarded because there is one who's on the prowl who wants to take us down at every moment and destroy our thoughts and destroy our feelings and send us into horrible, horrible, horrible places. But listen to what God says through Jeremiah. For thus says the Lord of hosts, verse 8, the God of Israel, do not let the prophets or the diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying in my name. I didn't send them, declares the Lord. Do you hear what Jeremiah is saying to these people in exile? Don't believe everybody just because they're the loudest voice on the block. Don't believe everybody just because they say something, because otherwise we can become deceived. And God does not want us to be deceived. It's incumbent on us. Now, I often like to say this when I preach. Don't take my word for things. Read the scripture yourself. Read what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say to you, go to church and get all of your truth from Pastor Stan. 
The Bible teaches that Pastor Stan can be here to help us read the Scripture and help us see how to read the Scripture, but we need to read it ourselves and hear for ourselves what God is speaking to us. Amen? Amen. That is our responsibility. That's not someone else's. There are people out there who will lie to you and lie to me every single day. And it's incumbent on us to not be deceived, to guard our hearts. You see, in Jeremiah's day, there were false prophets giving false hope. Denying, as I'd like to say, the thistle past. You're not really where you are. It's all an illusion. Oh, it's just a temporary thing, and tomorrow God's going to send us back. God did not have the people in captivity for 70 years so that it would end the next year. That was not their control. That was in God's hands. Whether we like it or not, there are things in this world that we do not have control over. Listening to prophets or listening to people who say they're speaking for God, requires us to have discernment on our hearts. It doesn't mean that people can't speak truth. They can. But it becomes incumbent on me to be a tester, to say, is what they're saying true? And how do I know it's true? It got me thinking of my first year in college. I talk about going to Bible college, but far before I ever went to Bible college, I went to State University in Moorhead, Minnesota. And one quarter, we didn't have a semester system, we were on the quarter system, I took the following courses, a humanities course, a psychology course, and a sociology course. I also took an English course, had read some great literature, but these other courses ended up making a bigger impression on me. Because I had just come to faith in Christ, and I had just given my heart and my life to, to God, and I was excited about the future. And then I discovered that all three of the professors in these three classes were atheists. And they let us know that they were atheists. And they let us know that there was no God, and if we had a belief in God, we were foolish. And I remember thinking, they're pretty smart people. And I'd listen to what they would say, and I was sort of struggling with it. And then one day I started noticing something. In our humanities course, everything was determined by culture. In our psychology course... Everything was determined by what somebody thinks, and particularly how they were biologically brought up, or biologically created or, or born. In our sociology class, everything had to do with the environment and the family system. And then I started to notice, and I would ask questions, and I would notice that these three professors had nothing to do with anybody else's belief. They were like, oh no, the psychologist is wrong. And the psychologist would say about the sociologist, oh no, they're wrong. And so all of a sudden I was sitting there thinking, isn't this interesting? All three of these people are telling me that I'm wrong, but they're all telling each other that they're wrong. Wait a second, I don't have to believe everything they said to me. And rather than being discouraged in the classes, it became a great moment of building my faith. Because I started to realize that God asked me to think for myself and listen for myself and be able to test the spirits of what people are saying, and not just believe because it's the loudest voice in the room that I have to believe it. Paul writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy says, A time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and look for teachers who tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. I think he's talking about 21st century America, folks. We just listen too often to what we want to hear. I still go back to Garth Rosell, my professor at Gordon-Conwell, who one day 
stood in front of us and said, you know, pastors, you're all going to be pastors. Someday when you're in a church, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to tell you what you want to hear. Listen to the people who will tell you something you don't want to hear. Sometimes that's the most valuable voice to listen to. You see, it's incumbent on me to guard my heart. Otherwise, again, if I'm not a person who guards my heart and mind, and you're not a person who guards your heart and mind, we can do a whole lot of damage wherever we are. Hear me? We can do a lot of damage when we're not guarding our hearts and minds. I was a young pastor. It was probably 1984, 1985. And I got my first big boy assignment in my denomination. I was asked to sit on a board, and I was all excited. It had to do with campus ministry. I still remember feeling good. I, was, I received a phone call, and they were going to vote at me at an annual meeting, and my name was going to be there, and I made sure that it was there because we used to list every single name of everybody who's on a board and a committee, and there was my name, and I was feeling really good about it, but I had never attended a meeting yet. And then the committee that I was going on, or the board I was going on, was making a presentation to the annual conference. And we were out, I believe, in Springfield. And I had heard some rumors for some people who started saying things, and I had been involved and heard that. And when it came time for the presentation of the board that I was going on to make their presentation, I stood up all enthusiastic and spoke 100% against everything that they were saying because I'd heard somebody tell me something and I was sure that they were right. And you know what I did as a 25-year-old kid? I made a mess of an annual conference and it all of a sudden devolved into a whole bunch of arguing and disagreeing. To which a wise old pastor, his name is Dick Harding, he passed away a number of years ago, came to me and said, Stan, don't believe everything you hear. Wait, ask questions, and be open. And I learned my lesson as a young man. Those in captivity needed to remember this, but we need to remember this. We're often in these places, we're in transition, and maybe things aren't where they want to be, or maybe life is changing, and maybe there are things happening around us. Are we willing to wait and listen and to get all the truth. My friend Steve Maud, who is a professor at Gordon-Conwell, and he, some of you know because he later, his last thing he did after he served at the seminary, he was a teacher, or he was a pastor over in Bridgewater. He taught our ethics class. And I know I've shared this before, but it is so profound of how to look at life. He said that he and his wife, when the kids were little, would watch a TV advertisement and realize that TV advertisers were constantly vying for their kids' minds. And so he and Sandy started doing something when an advertisement was on. If they said, hey, drink all this stuff and you're just going to have the greatest parties in the world and life is going to be perfect and you're just going to be hanging around with all the most beautiful people in the world, they would end the advertisement and Steve and Sandy would say, says who? Or they'd watch another advertisement and say, you buy this, you spend all your money on this, and you buy this whatever car, and man, life is going to be perfect for you. You're not even going to have any debt because it's going to be so great, people are just going to fall over you when you get in this car, and your life is going to be perfect. And Stephen Sandy would say, says who? Then, here's where it ends. Stephen Sandy were now in the kitchen, and their kids are now in high school, and they would be in the kitchen preparing dinner, 
And the kids would be in the other room and they'd be watching TV and they still heard their kids at the end of an advertisement say, says who? Good way to live our life, isn't it, folks? That's what Jeremiah asks us to do. Don't believe every voice who speaks to us. Seek truth. Don't believe that everybody who tells us anything is absolutely got our best interest in mind. The prophets who were speaking to the people in Babylon were prophets and false prophets. And that's what the Bible teaches us. There are prophets and there are false prophets. It's important for us to know who we listen to and discern what people say and to take a step back and say, you know what? I'm guarding my heart and my mind because it's a precious gift from God and I don't need to be caught up and swayed by everything that everybody says or it steals our peace, it steals who we are, and we go through life not knowing what way to turn. And the final thing that Jeremiah says to these people in captivity and to our high school graduates and to all of us, is trust God's plan by waiting. Learn to pause. Learn to wait in life. Learn that everything doesn't have to be right now. Verses 10 and 11, For thus says the Lord, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Seventy years is a long time to be in an in-between time. I've had some in-between times in my life, and they haven't lasted that long. But I believe because seven is a perfect number, that 70 is a perfect period of time, and that's ultimately what God was communicating. There's many times in the Scripture in which we're told we need to learn to wait. We need to be patient. We don't have all the truth. We don't know everything that's happening in the future. An average lifespan, when Jeremiah was writing that, was 35 years. Hear what he's saying? People are in an in-between time for two generations here, folks. That'd be like us today saying, we're in a 150-year period or a 160 or 200-year period. Because according to how life was working at that time, that meant that somebody was there and they would die and their children would be born there and they would die and the next generation would finally be going back to Jerusalem. We often say we want to follow God. We often say we want God's will in our life. Let's never forget that waiting is a litmus test. Hear that? If I want to trust in God... I need to be patient and wait on God. Isaiah, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. That's hard for us as Americans, folks, because we live in an instant society. If you don't believe it, walk out of church or now tune out the sermon and forget about everything else I say and pull out your cell phone and go on Amazon and order something. Sometimes you can have it delivered today. That's what we've created for ourselves. I want what I want and I want it now. I want it to write this moment, instant gratification. It's how we have somehow conditioned ourselves, and yet that's not what the Bible teaches. What Scripture teaches, and, and when we talk to people who've done well in their lives, we learn that waiting and patience, pausing, learning to not have to react in every single moment. It got me thinking about Major League Baseball. Now, I'm not a baseball fan, sorry. I'm sort of agonizing through a seven-game Celtics series that... I still believe the Celtics will take. 
I'm waiting on Jesus for that one. Do we have any baseball fans in, the, in here this morning? Come on, raise your hand. You don't have to be embarrassed. I will pray for all of you after worship. Did you know in 2021, if you watched a baseball game, it went over three hours? Did you know that? That was the average time of a baseball game, was over three hours. However, only 18 minutes of it was what we would call action. The vast majority of it was what is the word, folks? Waiting. Waiting. So if you're a baseball fan, this text should be perfect for you because you've already learned to do it because you're sitting there waiting through a baseball game and you're knowing that something great can happen. Maybe an amazing home run. Maybe, maybe so-and-so. I don't know. Manny Ramirez is still on the team, according to me. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> maybe your favorite baseball player is going to pitch a shutout or a no-hitter this day. You learn to wait. That's what God asks us in our lives, to learn to wait. The people of Judah waited and then returned with God's blessing. Today, we get impatient and we don't want to wait for anything. We want what we want when we want it. Parents often have things for their children, and they're excited that they can't wait to give it to their children. But because of the fact that the kids can't wait and they just flip out, the kids never get what the parents had planned for them. Let's be honest, folks, if we're parents, we've been there, where there's something that we knew and the kids didn't, and mom and dad go back and they go, you know what, let's just let this go. And they never get God's blessing or the parents' blessing in their life. Do we want to live our lives that way? Do we want to live our lives where God is working and, and there's something amazing that's going to happen, but we go off on our own way because we don't learn to live with our head where our feet are, to learn to accept where we are and to guard our hearts and to wait on God. That's why we have our text this morning. And now, having heard the background, let's listen to the verse. I know the plans, this is God speaking, I have for you, declares the Lord. Whose plans? Who knows? I know the plans, God says, I have for you. Who doesn't know those plans? Say it again. I can't possibly know the great things that God has in store for me. And neither can you. You can't possibly know. Because God says if we learn to live where we are and keep our heads where our feet are, to learn with patience, to learn to wait, to learn to trust in God, it's amazing what God will do. But let's trust in God's plans rather than getting the best of ourselves because far too often that's what we do. Far too many Christians go through life grabbing their will back and winding it our own way. There's not a lot I can say to our high school graduates other than what I have learned to trust in the Scripture. To learn that there is something great that's always in front of us. And God knows it. But that doesn't mean that you and I do. That I can learn to trust that wherever I am or wherever any of us are at any moment, we're right where we need to be. We're right where we need to be. And anytime somebody comes to me and says, I am just so upset by all of this stuff, I usually answer the same way. God has you right where God wants you to be today. And when we can accept that and learn to live that way and learn to accept life on life's terms in the moment of how we are today, 
we start discovering that we can wait on the Lord and trust in His plans, they're far better than anything we can imagine. Trust. Wait. Guard your hearts and your minds and watch the miracle happen. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you because you are beyond anything we can comprehend. You brought us through life to this point where we are today and you're taking us into the future. Help us to trust in you as a church, as families, as individuals, as young people, as people who are older. Every one of us may have things that we think back on and wish it was how it was yesterday or excited about, I can't wait till my plans come true tomorrow. Help us live today to see your blessing in today and not to just run rampant on the next thing we hear that stirs us up, but to trust in you. For you are the sovereign God of this universe. And we trust and give our lives to you this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.